Welcome, Crusaders, to the newest episode of the Nerd Crusade podcast. This is episode 21, I believe. We are, no, episode 22. God, you can't even remember it now? Episode 22 right now. Um, We're in the secret room, we're talking about uh, Secret Invasion. I think I've been calling it Secret Wars the entire time. Well, you've been calling it what the comic book, uh, I believe, originally called it. Not a comic book, it's Secret Invasion. What was Secret Wars? Secret Secret Wars is, I think, it's the Spider-Man and Venom, like, starting line it might oh. be. Well, maybe that was hopeful think- thinking on our behalf yeah. of having Spider-Man Venom. <laughs> Secret Invasion started this week, and we'll yes. go over each episode every week uh, as it comes out. Um, so every episode moving on to the show, you're going to have a uh, Secret Invasion section, and then we'll talk about what other stuff coming up. Uh, other thing we're going to talk about is some news with the Activision and Xbox acquisition. Um, and kind of a full recap of what all went on with the sh- showcases that happened earlier this month. Because, uh, like, everybody had a little bit more information to drop here and there, and there's been a lot of information dropping in the FTC hearing that just started. Yes. Um, which is pretty interesting news uh, across the board for a lot of things. All right, but first we'll start with Secret Invasion. Uh, yeah. This is uh, based off of a comic book series, uh, which is basically a Nick Fury uh, comic book. Um which is, we're real excited for this because it's a Marvel series that's not going to be so much about superheroes and people's super abilities. It's going to be more of a spy thriller mm-hmm. and spycraft uh, show because Nick Fury is one of the Marvel superheroes who has no superpowers. He's just a super spy. Yeah, like um, Black <clears throat> Widow, just super spy. And throughout the canon of the Marvel Universe, where we're at now, we're finally catching up with where the hell's Nick Fury been, uh, considering in uh, Far From Home... It wasn't him. It was Ben Mendelsohn's character, scroll character, uh, impersonating him, mm-hmm. um, and that he's basically been on a space station this entire time since Endgame. Um, yep. Which we find out in this in this episode that uh, the Saber Space Station, which is part of the new organization so, Sword, so, yep. which came from Shield, who was well, really Shield Hydra. is dissolved yeah. now, so now it's just <clears throat> sword, sword moving forward. Which, as we saw when we introduced a sword in WandaVision, was mm-hmm. a more, seemed to be a more aggressive agency that's like, hey, here's a threat, let's just fucking wipe it out or contain it completely. Yeah. Like, it they're also about seemed... imprisoning people and not like, well, hey. Also, they are, their focus is more on protecting humans yeah. and anything that... Uh, is a threat to humans we're going to try to eliminate. So that whether that be aliens or like uh, in WandaVision Wanda. Uh, so that's from the MCU perspective, that seems where uh, S.W.O.R.D. is headed. Which and, if they start implementing X-Men, that's where you can start having like the Sentinels start appearing out of yes. and all that stuff. They, they need to be a spinoff of this organization or be coming from S.W.O.R.D. But um, we finally get to see kind of like uh, the snippet at the end of Far From Home where you see Fury on the space station on this beach holodeck and then he sh- shows this huge space station that he's at. Uh, we get to kind of see uh, what that completely is. And that, yeah, there's a giant space station that uh, they're building for a galactic defense against aliens because that's mm-hmm. the biggest threat that Earth has come across, that there's aliens out there. and We some, need to stop. And them. some of them want to attack Earth as they saw in the Avengers. And most people don't know about Thanos, but the higher-ups at least know that there was this alien Thanos that basically wiped them all out. Yeah, well, it seems like the higher-ups knew about Thanos, because uh, <clears throat> probably Natasha let him in yeah, the loop. They, or after the fact that it yeah. happened, not so much uh, during what was going during the immediate threat. Yeah, yeah, like after the fact, during that five-year yeah. gap, I'm sure there was a lot of you know notes taken down of, here's what happened, and only the higher-ups... Got that. So, for a non-spoiler kind of concept of this, we both are kind of at the point, same with our friends when we watched it a second time with them. Which I'm glad we watched it a second yeah. time. <laughs> is that, like, we need a second episode to see really where this is going. And how this is going to feel throughout. Is it going to be, like, a Jack Ryan? Is it going to be more... Like Mission Impossible? Mo- yeah. So, it's just <clears throat> trying to flesh out exactly what the feel is going to be. Because right now it's 
kind of all over. Yeah, I was surprised we uh, we ended the episode with like a bomb going off and all that. Yeah, um, well, spoiler there. But like it, it's I don't feel like it's a huge spoiler because it's like it seems not it, it seems inconsequential to what's going on. Well, I think it's going to be consequential. Well, I mean to. A bomb going off is consequential. Well, the fact, the fact that, they, that they're talking about a dirty bomb and then what happens is not a dirty bomb. Yeah, so you're like, okay, so where's the true dirty yeah. bomb? So, But that's also somewhat confusing, too, that this whole time you hear about, oh, these dirty bomb materials were stolen. They're going to be making a bomb. But the bombing is going to happen on this day. Okay, the bombing that happens is not a dirty nuclear bomb. Right. So it's kind of weird how that how that plays out. Uh, that's why we probably need a second episode for it. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> basically, this is um, the comic book series. What this is is that the scroll that showed up thirty years ago in Captain Marvel um, were promised by Nick Fury and Captain Marvel that hey, we're going to find you a planet, and that's why Captain Marvel has been gone for all that time thirty between, years for thirty years plus uh, between her movie and Thanos. Right? She doesn't come back until she gets paid for Thanos. She's supposed to be out there trying to find a planet for the scroll. Um, but comes back and empty-handed anyway when they come back to deal with the endgame events. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether or not she checks in with the scroll or not, we don't know because you don't see that, that actually happening. And all we know is that she's out wandering around saying there's a lot of problems everywhere in, in, in endgame. That's keeping her occupied. So obviously she hasn't found a planet for them. And so basically this is a story about how the scroll are... The scroll youth... The younger scrolls. <clears throat> ...feel betrayed and lied to... And now they are putting together a plan to just take over Earth. Which is kind of like, in Captain Marvel, the Creed were wiping them out because they were basically an invasive species. That if they should land on a planet, they can eventually take it over because they're yep. shapeshifters. And they can hide amongst the population, get into places of power, and then over, then eventually overthrow it. Mm-hmm. So whether they want to do it fast or slow, they could go either way. But they're like the ultimate spy craft type of species. The crew was trying to wipe them out because they posed a threat to them. But like refugees of their planet is what gets kind of saved in uh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. But now we're kind of seeing that more militant, aggressive side of them um, come out here. Which would play out to be very interesting because like the whole tagline of the comic books was apparently like, who do you trust? And so this whole show is going to be about... Who do we trust? Who we don't trust? Um, who's a scroll? Who's, who's not, not a scroll? scroll? As we get into it, you'll you'll understand why. Or if you've seen the episode, you definitely understand. Like, wow, didn't think that person was a scroll, and then they're a scroll. Yeah. Um. So basically, it was interesting. I think we need to see another episode to see if it's really going to hook a lot of people or not, and we'll find out that out uh, next week. Um. But now we're going to go into spoilers. So if you don't want to hear uh that, you gotta skip ahead till we start talking about Xbox stuff, which might be. 20 minutes. 20 minutes from now. <laughs> going <knows>? from you. <clears throat> Alright, but, um, so we're going to jump into spoilers right now. So, episode one. Kicks uh, off with. Kicks off with Martin uh, Freeman. Yep. His character. He uh, was in Sherlock, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Yeah, Agent he's Ross. Been, yeah. So, he sh- uh, he's meeting another uh, agent uh, who is going on about a conspiracy about the scroll. Basically saying that the scroll are uh, instigating bombings all around the world as different types of terrorist groups. Mm-hmm. All these different groups are taking uh, claim claiming these different events so that it just seems like business as normal. There's terrorists in the world that's happening. But he's pieced together that there's some connection with the scroll and that they're going to try and uh, tip the scales with another bombing that's going to basically somewhat seem to start World War III. Yep. Um, and then... Martin is basically arguing with him, like, hey, all right, you're saying me all this stuff. I need evidence so I can get Nick Fury to come down from the space station and actually act upon this stuff. Because apparently Nick Fury has ditched Earth and decided I'm going to work on... Uh, on the S.W.O.R.D. project. On the S.W.O.R.D. project Saber, which is the space station for intergalactic uh, protection. And that's where he's been this whole time, and mm-hmm. he's not coming back unless it's really serious. Um, he gets his evidence, but then the guy attacks him, thinking that he might be a scroll. They fight back and forth. Uh, Agent Ross shoots him, leaves immediately. And then he's immediately tailed <clears throat> as soon as he leaves yeah. the house. Yeah, so he's called for uh, extraction point from uh, Agent Hill. Yeah. Uh, so she's given a point to go to to get out. So like they're running, so he's being chased by this large Russian person who's yelling at him. They end up on a roof. 
he decides make, to try and jump to jump another from building. building. Which there's something weird about that. Oh, we yes. get to that. He tries to jump to another building, misses, falls, basically breaks his leg, falls to the ground, is barely alive when Maria Hill gets there, and then basically uh, kind of pass dies, and then. Maria Hill has her gun on, Agent has her gun on uh, the guy chasing him. Turns out it's Ben Mendelsohn's character, Talos, because he shapes just back into Ben Mendelsohn, um, who uh, is playing Agent what? What's Ben Mendelsohn's character? It's just Talos, but he's playing... Yeah. They they'll refer to him as the character's name that he was pretending to be in Captain Marvel as Agent uh, Wells or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But... He shows up, and then she's like, hey, we see the Agent Ross turns into a scroll. She says, hey, he's with you. He says, no, he's not one of us. He's one of them. And then you see um, him turn into a scroll. Yeah. Uh, which brings the question, was that really Agent Ross? Or has Agent Ross been a scroll this entire time? Because remember, Agent Ross is married, or has at least an ex-wife. Yeah. Uh, no, he was married, but he divorced, because we found out Lady Hydra and him used to be married. Yeah. So in uh, Wakanda forever. Yeah, and the last we saw, Wakanda was it, breaking him out yeah. of prison. Well, on the prison bus. Yeah, on the prison bus, and here he's clearly still working with with sword with no problem or anything. Yeah. So there's a question of was this Agent Ross? Was this not Agent Ross? We don't know. Maybe he was. If he was a scroll this whole time, that still does make sense because you got to remember the scroll's been here for thirty years. Even if like. They weren't planning to take over. They would be. It would behoove them to insert themselves in all aspects of government across the world, so that in case shit does hit the fan, they they have some saying what's going on and not being wiped out with the masses yeah. for not knowing, right? So <clears throat> that's how it starts off, and then basically we go through the controversial opening, which all the opening credits were basically AI art. Which some yeah. people hate, some people like. I think the AI art fits with what uh, the theming and like the whole shape shifting and not knowing who to trust stuff goes with. I just don't like the fact that they used AI art that should just yeah. hire an artist. Um, other people think it looks terrible and should never be used anyway. I'm surprised how well it worked if that was 100% AI. Um, but the it, question is with AI is like, where is AI pulling art from? It's pulling it from other artists, artists. Yeah, and stealing so. their work and blending it. Yeah, it would have been better with an actual artist <clears throat> or art team. Yeah. And then it would have looked also a little bit more polished, where you would still get, like, the polymorphs and the pulls and the uh, dramatic, you know, artistic angles that they were going for, too. Yeah. So, after credits open up or whatnot, we see that uh, Samuel Jackson is, like, beamed back down to Earth in a beam of light. He is much older, big bushy beard. Great big bushy beard. No eye patch. Uh, has, has a limp. Has a limp with his leg. He kind of has to like fiddle with to like, okay, I'll start walking on this now. Um, which could also be like, well, he hasn't been in zero G uh, environment, but he's been in space. Yeah, so who knows how <clears throat> but, the gravity is yeah, truly it could be up a little there. Bit, a little bit lighter gravity, so he might be adjusting the Earth's gravity or whatnot. Um, so he limps along to basically, Hill shows up where he's at and picks him up and takes him to the safe house where they explain what's kind of going on. That there's this huge scroll attack that's about to be planned that, uh, there was a attack on a facility that, uh, a bunch of dirty bomb materials got taken away. When you see a dirty bomb to me, I'm thinking nuclear bomb, not like, Fair. not like homemade pipe bombs to explode somewhere. So unless I am wrong on that definition, which I don't think I am. Dirty bomb in movies and television usually means somebody stole nuclear uh, material and they're about to make a nuclear bomb. Somewhere. Yeah, something that will <clears throat> just completely destroy an entire city yeah. or town. Um, <clears throat> then uh, not just a building. We also find out that Talos's wife has also died somewhere yep. in the process, and that for people who aren't keen on who she was in Spider-Man: Nowhere from Home, she was. Uh, playing Maria Hill's character who blew up uh, the drone right, right in front of uh, Nick Fury's character at the end at the climax of that movie. So it was Talos and his wife pretending to be Nick Fury and Mar and Maria Hill, or Agent Hill. Um, she died somewhere in between. Uh, all we know is that it's 
she died because of the the, the scroll rebels now who have made Talos an exile mm-hmm. and kicked him off the council. He's no longer part of the scroll community. It would seem. <coughs> or at least with this new community. Yeah. Definitely not with this new community who apparently has the Scroll Council. We don't know how their government is really set up on Earth. They just know a mention of a council that he was voted off and he was sent out to exile. So he has been excommunicated from the Scroll community. Um, and then we find out that the Scroll has this ability where they're not affected by radiation. So, so that's new. Yeah, to we, me. Did, we weren't told that before. Um, so their thing is that they're hiding out at old nuclear uh, plants in Russia that have been abandoned, and because none of those things are on the pl- are on the books, um, books they don't maps, know where they are. Nobody knows where they're at. And then so from there we cut to uh, a guy walking up to one of these empty uh, plant facilities, and that's run by scrolls. Yeah. And, and then this is where Emily Clark's character shows up. Yeah. At this point, we don't quite know who she is, but she shows up. They have their like little password key phrase, I want my own home, my own skin. Because basically the scroll want to live on a planet where they don't have to morph into somebody else. Um, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. understand that. Um, Very fair. <laughs> so like they, she shows them that here's this community that they've built. Anybody who goes in there can't leave because this is their own community. They're growing their own uh Types of crops there. Crops that were for from only their from their planet. From, yeah, from their home world. Only. Um, yeah, which is like a thing with colonization. You, if you can grow crops someplace, you can start colonizing it. <clears throat> so that's like basically the home base where this terrorist group is being running run out of uh, by the main guy there, which his name is character name is Gavik or Gravik. Gravik. Played by Kingsley Benadir. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot about him. All we know is that him, his character, and Nick Fury have some type of connection in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is. Uh, Mila Clark is definitely one of the agents in the terrorist group, but she's also kind of handling the newcomers that come in to the society where they're just trying to live and be themselves. But there's definitely a dark side to, to the back rooms there where they're kidnapping people, taking over their identities, and using those identities to be terrorists. Yep. And they <clears throat> show... Um, a scene where they do that, where uh, they have a new agent come in and they bring out a human, takes over, uh, he copies their look, and then they put the human in this, like... Mindering machine that yeah, uh, Captain Marvel machine. was in. Yes. Yeah. And then they tell the new recruit, all right, read his memories. So you, he has background so you can... If he runs into like an old flame, he can yeah. The thing there is that get out they, situations or something. They can only see like recent memories, not long term old yeah. memories. So he's grabbing the most recent stuff out of him. Um, so that happens, uh, and then we see that Emily Clark is sent out on a mission and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Nick Fury, after he gets his lowdown, he goes for a walk in the middle of the night in, in Russia. Gets picked up by MI6 agents, and that's where Olivia Coleman comes in, Yay. who plays uh, the MI6 main operative in Russia. Um, if you don't know who that is by her name, she is the gal in like Hot Fuzz that goes murder, <laughs> the female cop officer. Uh, she's played the Queen of England and in a few things. Uh, great actress. She's been in a ton of stuff. Um, I definitely wonderful. Like, I'm surprised they got her. Yeah, <laughs> um, she is a wonderful actress, and we're glad to see her in this. But she plays an MI6 character who uh, basically picks Fury up off the street with her goons to uh, find out why Fury is not yeah. off, was not in space, and basically to re- reiterate that what we've been told throughout this entire episode by almost every character is that Nick Fury is old. Uh, the blip did something to him where he's not the same as he was before. Yep. That he doesn't think he can uh, handle any major threats because there's always something bigger and badder out there that he can't control that's going to uh, attack them. So that the trust is trying to paint to us that he's being underestimated. Like we all know that Nick Fury is not really limping. Probably he's he's. Probably five steps ahead of everybody in this, but he's playing it off like he's not. Yeah. Because he's playing he's playing catch up in a lot of this stuff. But everybody is underestimating him, even uh, his own agency, the MI6 is uh, underestimating yep, him. Because he we see him uh plant a uh it's not it's really, a bug basically. Yeah, he, he pl- bugs her He bugs office. her office so he can hear what their what uh, MI6 plan is because her he knows her as somebody has he describes her as being a scorched earth type of policy where she just wants to wipe out the scroll completely, and then there's no more threat ever. 
uh, where Ben Mendelsohn's very much on, hey, I want to save these people and not kill them yeah. because they are just teenagers who are misguided under a radical theor- radical person's idea of we need to fight and invade when we don't really have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of see both sides of it where Ben Mendelsohn and Talos is trying to like protect these people and say, hey, they're just misguided. We just got to correct that and stop them from doing making things worse, but try and like get them to understand that that's not the way to do it. Which from his side seems like pretty impossible considering like as far as we know, he's the only exiled scroll not on board with this plan. Yeah, we haven't seen any <clears throat> other scrolls like helping humans to stop yeah, and then, their kind from a invading and then agent hill and nick fury also aren't talking to sword because uh we get a scene with um with with uh, don chill's roadie at the white house being an advisor because basically he's like a superhero liaison i think or something like that yeah well he's talking to uh not the president but probably like chief of staff or something and tells him hey nick fury's no longer on Saber, we don't know where he's at. There's been an encrypted message we intercepted between him and Maria Hill, but we don't know what it says, and we don't know why, where they're at. They're off the grid. That basically everybody's gone AWOL. Mm-hmm. So basically, the government, U.S. government's not being kept in the loop of this, um, and nor is MI6 or anybody as far as what's totally going on. MI6 knows that <coughs> uh, dirty bomb mm-hmm. materials were stolen. The MI6 also knows that uh, the scroll are involved. Mm-hmm. That's as far as we know what they know. And uh, we know basically that the scroll have a radical group within them. Um, then we go to uh, them tailing Emily Clark as she's getting like uh, getting some bombs picked up. That's from well, she had, she had they go- don't tail her at first. Yeah. They uh, discover intel that. There's going to be a, the person who has the bomb is going to deliver, or not deliver it, but hand it over. The person uh, who can make a over. bomb is yeah. in town. So they go to that guy, which happens to be where Emily Clark was sent to pick, pick. up bombs. Um, and that's when they run into run into her and they start tailing her. Mm-hmm. And that's when we find out that Emily Clark's character is actually Gaia, who is Talos's daughter, who we've met in Captain Marvel. Yeah. But before all that... Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Talos meet that broker and a fight breaks out and Talos keeps telling uh, uh, Nick Fury I'm sorry, I keep calling him Samuel L. Jackson sorry, Nick Fury don't kill him uh, because again, like you said he wants to try to keep all the scrolls alive but during the fight uh, Nick Fury does kill this broker and Talos. You can see the hurt on Talos's face, like the portrayal. And I think that's going to tie in down the line. Yeah. Cause the other side of it is that Nick also told Talos earlier when he's getting debriefed, like, Hey, Gravik and everybody knows that your weakness Talos is that you is mercy. And you're going to have to prove to him that you don't have mercy and you're willing to, to take out uh, whether it be MI6 agents or other people to stop them from the, getting their plans done. Yeah. Which that's something that, like... Well, which is also really... Uh, is shown again uh, when he meets up with Guy in the sewer, and instead of, like, stopping her, like, blasting out a knee, uh, he lets her go. Again, it's that, like, mercy... Well, more so here, because it's his daughter. I, I wouldn't expect him to... Sh- he wanted to shoot his daughter. That yeah. shows where the, a lot of the mercy comes from, where his perspective is... He wants to stop this from happening, but he doesn't want his daughter killed in the process because his wife was already killed in the process of trying to stop them. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, he's never told us, tells us how, but he does tell Gaia that her mother's dead because the people she's working for killed her. Yeah. Which means, the, the if that's true, the, the scroll that are doing this invasion have no problem killing their own kind if they're going to stand in the way of, of their objective. Where Talos is still on that fence of like, I don't want to kill anybody because... We are so few as it is, even though they have maybe a couple generations. Um, but the fact that they live so long still means like there's not a lot of them around. Yeah. Let's not kill each other and make our species even less. Because they've been st- stranded on Earth. They don't know if the scroll are still out, have a planet or still anywhere else. Because you don't know where the Creed stopped in their elim- in their elimination of them. Yeah, because when we meet the Creed originally in Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. 
they're ready to take on a new, another planet all together. They're yeah. fighting the scroll from what we've seen. Yeah. <clears throat> so the scroll might completely be wiped out or they might have their own planet somewhere else. It's just these guys are basically survivors and stranded on a planet with nobody else. So I understand his his thing of, yeah, he doesn't want to kill his kid. But he also sees everybody as part of the family of, I don't want to kill the last of my kind who are here because we may be the last. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we see that there's that relationship that guy is working with the terrorists. Now that he's filled out with a little bit of doubt, so she's gone out. She then goes out secretly to warn him or maybe trick him because when she comes back with the bombs, she does try to tell her boss that, hey... I was tailed. <laughs> well, she doesn't... Yeah, she yeah. says she was tailed, which says, hey, I was tailed, but also um, maybe we should postpone the attack because I got tailed. And the guy mentions, no, 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 with you, because of you brought, because you brought this to us now, we now have the bait. Yeah. And it's interesting they use the term bait, because I'm like, okay, that's weird. Then she leaves as in a different shell, where earlier she established that, hey, we don't change our shells, that way we can't be tracked as scroll by humans or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But she's clearly in a different shell as an old lady hailing a cab in the middle of the night. Yeah. And so it's Ben Mendelsohn, who I guess they meet up, and then she explains to them that hey uh he's still trying to get her to quit and just leave but like she won't uh we don't know necessarily why but she says hey i'll have three couriers tomorrow on this day when this is going to happen i'm one of them i'm going to mark the bags so that you can track them she marks the bags they go out on the celebration day to start tracking to track her they they catch her um they catch the other two uh handlers and that's but when they by the time they catch them they find out the bags are empty yep which kind of raises suspicions. Is Gaia still like on? Was this part of the plan to, as bait? Because yeah. it's more so than they needed to draw out Nick Fury and his group or all any agents tailing them. Set off these bombs uh, in this public celebration. Yeah. Uh, in this square. In the square, like ten, it's not Tenement Square. It's no. It's, it's the square where like the uh, big. Towers are in Moscow. Yeah, I don't remember what, what that area is called because <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Moscow before. So, but like, <laughs> it's the big colorful towers that you see like in Tetris and whatnot. Um, that's that square. The very iconic towers that they're yeah. like. Here's Moscow. You'll you'll see <clears throat> pictures of those yeah. towers. So in that square, they set off these bombs. These are not dirty bombs by any means because these no. are like just small explosions that go off. They don't even really bring down the whole towers. It's just enough to kill the people that's around them. And cause mass panic. Yeah. Because this is like a huge square being filled up for a national Russian community day that's they've celebrated for uh, centuries, uh, basically. Yeah. So on that celebration day, they blow, they blow up these bombs. We find out that Nick Fury um, was basic, basically tra- uh, wasn't trailing a bag at that point. He started trailing a shapeshifter who is shifted into characters that he's run across throughout this episode, mm-hmm. uh, then realizing that that person is Gravik, who I don't know what the relationship is, but I mean, either Nick Fury is either his father or like maybe he's like a godfather or something, because he knows Gravik for some somehow. Yeah, they're close. And it's point. almost like Gravik has a grudge against Nick Fury for something. Yeah. So whether it's feeling like being abandoned or something because of the blip and the Nick Fury leaving, there's something going on there that we'll probably find out later. I don't know if it's in the comics because I never read the Secret Invasion uh, th- storyline either. But basically, the bombs go off. Gravik reveals himself. Gravik turns into Nick Fury, shoots and kills Maria Hill. Yep. Um. So she gets shot and she dies. Yep. So we have a no <clears throat> Russian situation here. Yeah. Which again is also kind of weird because like we we're saying like all right, if it's a dirty bomb, I don't think Russian government would believe America would use a dirty bomb. To blow up, to kill civilians or anything like that, to cause uh, a war. Because mm-hmm. clearly they're trying to start a war between America and Russia. Yes. But whether it's a dirty bomb that's a nuclear bomb that goes off and kills a bunch of people, that seems r- out of place for America. And then the fact that you leave one dead U.S. agent there when there's also MI, MI6 agents running around town too. Yeah. Russia's got to know about them. That's not enough. Obviously, this and this is true that this is not enough to start the war, but maybe it's laying... It's the, laying groundwork yeah. to start it, for sure. Um, and taking out adversaries at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that's why we kind of need to see another episode to know, like, okay, what's the real plan here? Because this wasn't the dirty bomb. It didn't cause that much havoc. They were able to take out one agent. 
taking out that one agent won't necessarily point the finger at America because Nick Fury is right there, so you can pick her up and remove yeah. the body. Yeah. It's not like no Russian where it's like, oh, the cops caught them, and then here's the one body they found was a CIA agent. Exactly. It's... Uh, so it's a little bit uh, more complicated than that. So we'll be interested to see where they go. Yeah. But, again, you definitely need a second episode. I wish they came out with two episodes just so I could see and feel where they're going with it. And also, like, what the feel and tone is going to be. Yeah. And when it comes to streaming stuff, what we've noticed lately or in the past, what I've noticed the past couple of years is that if you have no faith in a show, you release it all at once. Yes. Unless you're Netflix, because Netflix just releases everything all at once. Which pisses me off. <laughs> but all the other streaming services are like, okay, I have no faith in this show. We're releasing all eight episodes or ten episodes at once. If they have faith in it, they'll only do one episode at a time. You have to come back every week to watch it. Um, if they ha- have some faith in it, but they think, hey, audiences aren't going to understand it right away, they'll drop three episodes. Yep, like they did with WandaVision. WandaVision, uh, Wheel of Time, and uh, Vox Machina did the same thing, where it's like, here's this first start of this mini arc so that we can hook you in. So this didn't quite hook you right away. I'm more, what I'm waiting for to see, and what I probably won't see until the end of the uh, first, uh, what, six episodes it looks like that they have for this Mm -hmm. first season, is Nick Fury to like... um, Basically, show that he's not a weak, a weak a weak old man, and see him kick some ass. Yeah. Uh, because everybody watching this, uh, even fans who like whether they read the comic books or not, are like, yeah, we know he's not. We know that limp is fake. We know he's not uh, a weakling. Weakling. And then there's also hints where like the next movie coming out is the Marvels. Yeah. Where you see him back on Saber. Back with his eye patch and his normal Nick Fury look. Yeah, because he's uh, out there and um, I forget her name. I feel bad. But the um, uh, gal who was in uh, WandaVision where she got her powers because she's out there, was out there doing yeah, stuff. Working with him, yeah. So clearly this is the invade, secret invasion is a transition period for Nick Fury to wherever where he'll finally get over whatever bothers him about the blip. Because we see him as a disheveled old man, big bushy beard and everything, right? By the end of this, he's going to be back to being clean-shaven, leather jacket, eye patch, back to the normal Nick Fury. So whatever we're going to see that transition happen within the show, which that sounds interesting to me to see how he gets back to being his normal self mm-hmm. um, and what demons he has to overcome. That's why I think there's something bigger with his relationship with Gravik. Whether it's he's a father or he was a father-like figure for him or something like that, we don't know. We just have to find out. Because remember, he met these people 30 years ago when Nick Fury was much younger and just an agent and yes. not the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything like that. So there's a lot of history that can be put in there. Um, so we'll be interested to see where they go. The casting is, still, is, is spot on for everything. I'm excited to see where, where these actors go with it all. Um, but six episodes, I thought it was going to be like at least eight or ten. I'm yeah, it's, only six it's very episodes. short. Um, but we'll see what happens. So next six weeks, we'll uh, keep you up to date on that and go play by play. But it should be pretty good. Um, the TV shows have been spot on for me at least as far as they go. I mean, really like Loki, uh, Captain uh, was it Captain America and the Falcon or Fa- uh, Falcon, Falcon Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier? Yes, was was really good. Hawkeye, which I thought was going to be silly and stupid, actually was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. The Christmas special for Guardians of the Galaxy f- uh, fit, the, fit the tone of everything that they did. Um, and WandaVision, and was WandaVision was superb. perfect. And like the fact that the movies are actually calling back to the TV shows, like Ga- Galaxy 3 definitely does that. Yeah. Um, it's great to see this whole universe kind of come together. Like It's going to cause fatigue for some people, but it's better than what we had before. It's like you have MCU movies... And then you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they don't acknowledge that you, that they exist at all. Yeah. Which make, makes no sense. So to have the MCU universe and the now the TV universe kind of all fitting together and telling the insular filler stories in between big uh, movie entrances and whatnot uh, seemed to have worked really well. And hopefully they continue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Secret Invasion. Like I said, we'll keep you up to date on that every week. Uh, our next thing to go on... Uh, talk about is this ftc and xbox trial that started yes so what this is for those you don't know xbox is trying to buy activision 
for some ridiculous amount of money. They've been <laughs> shut down in the UK to the point where Microsoft has had actually said, "Fine, who cares? We'll, we'll pull out of the UK." Apparently, mm-hmm. um, they're having some troubles in the uh, in the EU with it or whatnot as well. But that seems to have like passed a little bit. But now the FTC has filed an injunction to stop the merger from happening. I think they have until the end of July to finalize it. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of kaput, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the first day of this trial, um, the FTC kind of screwed up because the <laughs> judge who is who is overseeing this seems to be a judge who actually wants to learn and understand the game industry. It's kind of interesting to hear what's going on and realize, like, there's people who just don't understand this, which even to gamers who aren't even in the business, we understand how things are flowing. We're like, who's yeah. the competitors who aren't? FTC first tried to sit there and point out that the Nintendo Switch is not a competitor to Xbox and that they can't be because they don't have the same resolution. Um, and Phil Spencer took the stand to answer questions and flat out told him, like, no, I get market research on all my competitors, which includes Nintendo and Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, and shows that we do see that, that Microsoft does see them as, as a competitor, and kind of throughout the whole argument that resolution was the only reason why a Switch isn't competing competing with an Xbox. Where Phil Spencer painted a good picture of like, no, people go into a store and they're gonna buy a console. They're probably only gonna buy one. What are they gonna buy? A PlayStation, Xbox, or a Switch? They're not gonna go buy a Switch and then buy another one, regardless yeah. that the Switch is a better price point you're still not just your parents are people aren't going to buy multiple consoles except for the hardcore people in to gaming as professions or massive hobby or something like that or you're ultra rich and just can buy every single console yeah which most gamers out there like the hardcore gamers you're reporting on this stuff and all that stuff they have multiple consoles they have multiple uh multiple consoles of the same generation in their household they are unique. They are not the everyday consumer. Yeah. It's like, you get one console, which one do you want it to be? And Nintendo has a huge lineup of games that have nostalgia both for uh, the old and uh, stuff that one parent so that they can have their kids play and it can be completely safe. So for the younger generation, they're, that's the safe play to buy versus over an Xbox or a PlayStation. And for the older generation, it's like, oh, I have nostalgia. I have all the Zelda games and stuff I can play. Yeah. So that's... The, tar- the target audience for Nintendo is basically everybody, uh, but has a stronger hold on families. Xbox and PlayStation, yeah, do probably compete more head-to-head, but they can't out just discount Nintendo because Nintendo is still there as oh, somebody yeah. who takes a part of their share. And then um, Xbox also had to admit that, hey, we have not won the console war, that they're the third place in the market versus uh, Nintendo and Sony. Mm-hmm. Uh and after going over all that, the judge seemed to kind of understand that, hey, yeah, Nintendo is a competitor. So that kind of threw out that FTC argument. And then the FTC tried to uh, point out that, hey, uh, Microsoft is making games exclusive only for their platform, <laughs> which is taking stuff away from Sony. Oh, boy. <laughs> which this brought out a bunch of stuff, um, basically, that like, hey, um, Microsoft, only reason they bought Bethesda was because... Whether this information was leaked to them before or after they were talking about it, which I would assume it happened probably before because they've worked with Bethesda for so long, hand yes. in hand, that somebody there leaked to them that, hey, Sony is trying to broker an exclusivity deal for Starfield. Starfield. Yeah. So that's why Microsoft said, okay, we're buying Bethesda so that we can have Starfield. And that's why Starfield is an exclusive, not just for the reasons that they said, which is hey, it's streamlined the production, we can get the game out on time versus it would take a lot longer if we were putting it on PlayStation, which is still true, but basically not putting it on PlayStation seems more like, hey, you try to fuck us by taking this title away from us, we're going to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what the FTC was trying to get at, but they didn't explain it correctly because it left them open for Microsoft to say, well, look, Sony takes 30% of our revenue every time we launch a game on their platform like, like uh, Minecraft or these other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they take that revenue and they make exclusivity deals like Ghostwire Tokyo and uh, a few other games where like we don't get to have them on our platform for well over a year or more before they can even land for us to play or we don't get them at all. Just like, hey, guess what just came out? Final Fantasy 16. 
we don't get to have that title. They built, they made an exclusivity deal. Yep. So basically, painted Sony as in to being the person who does more exclusivity deals than anyone else, and then Microsoft is just trying to bring gaming to everybody on whatever platform they want to. Uh, because one thing they keep pushing is that Xbox will make games available to anybody who and anywhere that Game Pass is available. Which right now is Xbox and PC. So you don't have to have an Xbox to be in the ecosystem, but you can get Game Pass on your PC. And play all and the games. still play all their games, plus where your Steam library is and all that. That's up to you uh, on, on to the consumer. It's not something dictating which console you have to buy. Um, the other big problem was that Jim Ryan, the president of Sony, didn't show up to talk yeah. at all. We're here, like I said, we had Phil Spencer and a bunch of other Microsoft execs were there to testify in person. It also came out in an email that basically what Jim Ryan and what Sony told uh, the EU and uh, the UK uh, moderators and whatnot, which was that we will be crushed and we can't run our business if Call of Duty is removed from our platform or if they make a Call of Duty version that runs shittier on the PlayStation platform, it will be detrimental to their business. They had evidence of an email that he basically contradicted and said, yeah, we don't, we're don't, we not worried about that. <laughs> Call, we'll be fine with Call of Duty or without Call of Duty. And we don't expect Call of Duty to be removed from our platform anyway. Which Phil Spencer then flat out said, yeah. Under oath, he, the judge literally asked him, under oath, are you committed to putting Call, keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation? And he said, yes, we absolutely are. We would lose a ton of money if we, did, if we removed it from that platform. Yeah. So... The whole argument that they came, that Sony came up with against this, even though we already also know that Sony had said, hey, I don't want to make a deal about Call of Duty being on my platform. I just don't want you to buy Activision. We now have an email in writing of them saying, it's not going to hurt us either way. We don't care. Mm-hmm. They just want to stop the mergers, which makes it seem more vindictive rather than being a business concern. Um, so day one, things are looking way up for Microsoft on this. Anything else? Because even when Sony tried to, or the FTC tried to reiterate some of their concerns, the judge literally shut them down and said, no, no, I don't need to hear any more of that. Yeah. Because uh, she got the gist of what was going on and understood that, okay, no, there's not a anti-competitiveness thing that's going on here. It's, I think she's actually getting an idea that Microsoft is changing the way they're delivering games to people and Sony doesn't want to do that. And Sony is more into doing exclusive deals by buying exclusive exclusivity from uh companies uh particularly and then xbox explained they do their exclusivity on a game by game basis which clearly starfield seems like it was a hey fuck you sony you're not gonna steal this game from everybody um to where other games are happy to push put on uh game pass and all platforms like minecraft is on everything but minecraft is not built for just specifically one one console right they uh built that baseline there is no like base there's a baseline version of minecraft that's on the 360 which was like the one that we have yeah but like the minecraft realms which is on everything is what like all the pc people are playing all anybody who's like really into minecraft they're playing the newer stuff they're not playing the, the old, old base, ba- base game. game uh that was built for either for the pc model one or the one for the console or this one um but the fact that the judge has been really receptive to all that is very interesting. So maybe this might be the first time it, something like this could get overturned in the UK uh, or the EU. But if the te- FTC basically looked really incompetent and unprepared. Yes. Thinking that this was just going to be a pushover. And a walk in a park for them is what, how they came into this. Yeah. and like So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the hearings are going to go. Yeah, I think I continues this week i don't know when it says i think they have like four to five days for microsoft to basically prove their case to the uh, court and Mm -hmm. get thrown out if it gets thrown out then they can possibly close on the deal uh by the end of july as needed and then it'll go through and then that's probably better for all gamers honestly i mean people are bitching about at least the the sony families are bitching about this acquisition or bitching about starfield like, the stuff that I've seen on hot takes that people have been making videos on isn't just, like, I don't understand how business works. It's, like, I don't understand how capitalism or anything yeah. works. The people saying, no, they should make Starfield exclusive for PS5. It would be so much better for gamers. Like, no, how that's... is that better to make it just an exclusive for your console, you idiot? Yeah. Like, that's just stupid. That's 
like Bethesda, that's so stupid for Bethesda to do something like that because they're losing out on so much revenue from PC, from Xbox. It makes more sense to do it as across many platforms as possible to get all the people that you can't get off of just one console. Yeah, in all honesty, the biggest platformers right now might be Sony, but the biggest one is PC. More it's and more people going to be PC. play PC, regardless of the fact that being a PC gamer means you have to have a $2,000 rig. You have to constantly update your memory and your graphics card to keep mm-hmm. up with uh, recommended needs. Like even Cyberpunk, this, uh, Phantom Liberty is coming out in September has changed the minimum requirements for the base game of Cyberpunk. Yes. There's people who bought it who are running it now who may not be able to run it when Phantom Liberty come out because they have to update their graphics card or add more memory or processing power to their PC. Mm-hmm. And those upgrades are super expensive. Where a console, which will usually last maybe a 10-year life cycle or 7- to 10-year life cycle, at least anything that comes on it should run on it just fine. Yep. Plug and play. That's yeah. why people get consoles. But even with that, PCs have become the bigger uh, market share just for the fact that um, games can run on multiple tubes of different types of hardware, which makes it actually harder to make for them, but that they can get the highest fidelity of graphics without any restrictions, where mm-hmm. once a console's built, its potential is pretty much limited to what's in the box unless they build another version of it, like the PS Pro or the PlayStation or the Xbox One X and stuff like that. Um, which again causes is highly co- costs a ton of money to do another hardware inter- iteration. Yeah, especially in the middle of a of, ge- of a generation, and then as we've seen, isn't necessarily very great for uh, developers or gamers because then you have this issue like what we have now. We're just now we're starting to where they're no longer making games to work on Xbox One. Yes, or Xbox One X games that come out like Starfield will only run on a Series X and S. Uh, fa- uh, Cyberpunk only runs on uh, S and X uh, after Phantom Liberty. Nothing. Uh, uh, l- more games that come out now are only going to be running on new hardware. You're not going to be able to run it on old hardware. Yeah. Um, so backwards compatibility. Yeah, that's the thing. They want games to be able to work from the past on new hardware, but new hardware games aren't going to work on old hardware. Yeah. Um, so. We're starting to see that where that wasn't very profitable to be focusing so much on making sure having or having so many iterations of the hardware within a generation because it's hard to build a, a game for older, weaker hardware where you want to push it to the limits on the new hardware. Yeah, and that's what happened with uh, Cyberpunk on release, too. Yeah, it really should have just been developed for the Series X and S and not yeah, the PS4 new or Xbox One where it ran horribly and they had to spend a year and a half fixing it. Yeah. Um. They had it definitely had its bugs on the series X and S as well, but I mean, it wasn't nearly as bad as the they, old generations. Yeah, they could have focused more yeah. on polishing if it was just on newer gen and higher end uh, computers. Yep. Um, but, last yeah. bit of news that also came out of all this was that um, with the exclusivity thing that the FTC was trying to push, there was basically a leak or even an official announcement, but basically. Indiana Jones was now going going to be an exclusive uh, game for Xbox. Mm-hmm. It was originally going to be a place uh, multi platform PlayStation game uh, with Xbox, but um, because they bought Bethesda, they changed that. Uh, so it's now it's only on Xbox and PC, and that's been officially announced in this trial. Okay. Um, and that's also where the FTC kind of looks stupid because while they're pushing this exclusivity thing. They're pointing out the Indiana Jones game being, hey, it wasn't exclusive. Now it is, um, and it's a Disney property. Why, uh, why are you doing that? And then Microsoft basically threw back, well, Sony has Spider-Man. That's exclusive, exclusive to their platform. That's also a Disney plat- Disney owned property. Yeah. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. It's like. There's no difference here. Why are you complaining about this? This it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Make Sony give us Spider Man if you don't want. If we have to, if we, we have to give, to give up Indiana, to, yeah. Indiana Jones and whatnot, like those things don't make any sense. Um, so again, like FTC came in very underprepared. The judge came in very much open minded and, and wanting to understand how the business actually works, which is very rare for a judge. Yeah, especially for in the gaming industry or yeah. anything that's not like. 
main financial stuff or main like businesses or even computer industries, especially with Congress. Just computer and all that. in general is yeah. Like look at the TikTok hearings that Congress had, where like they oh, don't under, just... they don't understand how their Wi-Fi system works and how it connects to stuff to ask some stupid questions. This judge asked all the right questions. Yes, and then shut them down when they were trying try to reiterate things that she did not need to hear again. Yeah. So like I said, we'll see what, where this goes. We'll probably be playing news clips on it as the weeks come up. Um, but uh, hopefully, I'm hoping Microsoft ends up getting this deal because Activision and Blizzard, they got some fucking problems that need to get cleaned up. And one of them is Bo- Bobby Kotick, who needs to get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll be out if Microsoft can buy this because that guy went back and doubled down on how he believes there's absolutely no harassment or anything at all in his company. <gasps> and that... He regrets writing a letter of apology to the public and says, no, it's bullshit. This is all about labor unions trying to take time to fuck over my business. Oh, my God. Not believing that hundreds of people came forward <laughs> saying there's sexual harassment, racist jokes, people being fired or HR ignoring shit. Yeah. Like, that guy's crazy. He needs to be out of the business. He's a terrible person. What so hopefully <laughs> this deal goes through and good things happen. We'll keep you posted on that as we continue uh podcasts uh week to week now well, ha- as well like you said we'll have more stuff on secret invasion uh every week as the episodes come out and we'll talk about this stuff and um we'll also next week we'll have our impressions on indiana jones we're gonna go see yes. that uh on the first yes so we'll give that to you too next week as well so that should be a pretty good show so stay tuned and we'll see you next time well aren't you gonna plug your YouTube channel and Twitch oh, yeah. and everything else. You gotta so, you gotta start plugins there, yeah. Ian. So if you like what you what you, you and enjoy our show, please <laughs> like and subscribe. Whether it be on Facebook, whether you uh, subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform where you're listening, uh, we do have a webpage called thenerdcrusade.com. Uh, our YouTube channel is at the at the Nerd Crusade, um, as well as the Twitch channel is the Nerd Crusade. Or Nerd Crusade. Yep. Um, Don't forget to check those out. Leave a comment. Comment. Uh, it helps follow, us. All that good stuff. Uh, we also are working on stuff that's uh, a little bit outside of uh, gaming and whatnot because we do uh, a little bit of traveling and whatnot. So we are working on a series that is still the making. We gotta, uh, we're not going to start releasing until we have a few episodes done and made how we yep. like. But we have started working on it and filming stuff. So... We have that coming up soon, too, and you'll be able to catch that on thenerdcrusade.com. Yep, probably in the next month or two, we'll ha- start releasing those videos out. We'll give more information uh, when we start ready to dropping them. All right. Thank you, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.